Brina Garen, and you're listening to Hex Positive. Welcome, witches. This is episode 28 of Hex Positive. I'm your host, Brina Garen, and I know quite a few of you have been waiting on this one for a long time. It is April, it is springtime, and those of us who have an eye to the annual holiday wars are revving up our research engines. And since I've been having the same damn conversation for about 10 years now, I think it's finally time for the Easter rant. Fair warning, I am super salty about this particular topic, and the language in this episode is uh, going to reflect that. I'm sure very few of you out there mind me swearing a little bit, per se, but the frustration that's built up around this topic for me personally is pretty high. When I say I'm salty, I mean I am dead sea levels of salty. I am deep ocean hypersaline levels of salty, and I don't really intend to hold back this month. You thought I was salty about witch trials? Just you wait. I made a post about the difference between Easter and Ostara that went viral on Tumblr a few years back, and every spring it makes the rounds again which means two to four weeks of ignorance and hate mail in my inbox from people who, um, how can I put this politely, should know better but don't. Admittedly, it's not actually as bad this year as it's been in previous years, which is nice. But there's always something. People have accused me of being less than genteel in my explanations of this topic, but if I am, it's only because there is a limit to the number of times that a person can reasonably be expected to explain the same information to a few thousand people on Tumblr who aren't necessarily there to learn or listen and just want fresh fodder for an argument or to point to someone and say, see, they're erasing my beliefs, I'm being persecuted. My tolerance for such things is at an all-time low. To quote one of my favorite memes, Behold the field in which I grow my fox. Cast thine eyes upon it and see that it is barren. Homegirl is clean out of patience. So, <laughs> buckle up. Y'all gonna learn today. This month we're going to explore the origins of Easter. We're also going to explore the origins of Ostara and why the two get so tangled up in the modern witchcraft community. And by the end of this, I think you will not only agree with me that Easter is not a pagan holiday, but that maybe we should stop saying it is, because by doing so, we're casually erasing the contributions of an entire culture to the history and development of Western religion. And I'll give you a hint, it ain't the Druids. 
Let's start by outlining the basic claims that we see on social media surrounding Easter and Ostara. 1. Easter is based on an ancient pagan spring festival called Ostara. 2. Easter is named for the pre-Christian Germanic or possibly Anglo-Saxon goddess Eostra, whose symbols were rabbits and eggs. 3. Easter was created by grafting Christian ideas directly onto previously existing Celtic pagan traditions surrounding the spring equinox, effectively making the holiday something the church stole from the pagans. 4. Easter is named for the goddess Ishtar, the proof being that the names sound alike. Deep cleansing breath because just having to read that out loud raises my witch story in hackles. I'm going to tell you right from the beginning that all of that is complete and utter bullshit. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. It's bullshit, and it's spread by people who can't be arsed to fact-check and would rather play up their personal persecution complexes than crack a single page's worth of actual academic history. You remember how I keep saying spend five minutes on Google before making a claim? They haven't even opened the search bar, unless it was to look for articles that agreed with them. And that's including me giving the benefit of the doubt, in all fairness, to newer practitioners who honestly don't know better and are passing on these ideas based on emotional responses rather than fact-checking. And also giving the benefit of the doubt to the massive amount of misinformation that gets passed around in articles and blog posts that rate highly on search engines. However, if the 45th U.S. Presidential Administration taught us anything, it's that widespread repetition of false information doesn't make it any less false. But it does increase the likelihood that people without an opposing frame of reference or already inclined to believe the concepts presented might take it at face value. In other words, if you've only ever heard that Ostara is ancient and that Christians stole those ideas to make Easter without ever hearing another viewpoint or researching it yourself, you might believe it. Likewise, if you have beef with the church and build your identity as a witch or a pagan around hardcore opposition to all things Christian to some extent, this is an idea you might be likely to hang on to and even pass along to others, regardless of whether or not it was actually true. Either way, you also might not be inclined, shall we say, to look deeper into it because you've been presented with something that seems believable, a premise that appeals to you personally, so there doesn't seem to be any reason to dig deeper. There's a lot to unpack with that mindset. And really, it's kind of a topic unto itself, one that I'll probably be exploring some other time. We have our own brand of cognitive dissonance in the witchcraft and pagan communities, and it can be difficult to dislodge. It has some similarities to strong beliefs in conspiracy theories, where people feel like they're intellectually superior or somehow clued in to some big secret because they believe something outside the mainstream, even when everyone else around them is going, no, seriously, the earth is round. 
And the more their identity is built around that need to feel special and superior, the tighter they'll cling to that belief, no matter how much evidence they're shown that contradicts it or how foolish they look to the rest of the world. Because on the internet, you can always find people who agree with you, no matter how wrong you are. Buying into historical misinformation, refusing to fact-check, and refusing to listen to evidence disproving debunked or outdated claims is something that happens a lot in the witchcraft and pagan communities. Some of it is people who, like I've said, might be new to the conversation or aren't ready to move past their own issues or haven't encountered other viewpoints. And some of it is people who, like I said, should know better but don't. People who believe what they're saying and based at least some of their identity as a practitioner on bad information because that's what fits with their personal narrative and their personal worldview. I do want to address one thing really quickly before I dive into the history here, and I think it's something important to say before we go forward. I fully acknowledge that religious trauma is very, very real, and that lots of people have it. Lots of people in the witchcraft and pagan communities have very legitimate beef with the church for a variety of reasons, myself included. However, that does not give us carte blanche to harass, bully, or wholesale shit on Christians in general, or to harass, bully, or ostracize the Christians, Jews, and Muslims whose Venn diagrams of personal belief overlap with our communities. And it also doesn't give us the right to ignore the historical record or to cherry-pick historical events and information for the bits that suit our personal need to feel rebellious and morally superior. If you personally have a lot of anger or trauma related to the church and don't want anything whatsoever to do with Christianity, that's completely fine. It's your life. You're the one living it. But you still have a responsibility to educate yourself and to fact-check the information that you're passing on to others. And that includes thinking before you post and refraining from tarring whole communities with one brush. And that goes double for anyone who has a platform. All right, let's get into it. We've got a fair amount of history to cover, and I can only talk about this for so long before I'm tempted to use rage as a free action. Ooh, another deep cleansing breath. Okay. Just to get it out of the way, the Ishtar thing is a fucking meme, and I'm not going to dignify it with an argument. I'm not even going to get into that. It's from a Facebook meme based on anti-Catholic propaganda circulated by fringe religious organizations, some of which are basically well-funded cults. We're going to focus on the things that have some actual meat to them. Ishtar, Easter, not a thing. But let's go ahead and start by talking about the names and the relative timing of Ostara and Easter, because 
that is what I see pointed to more often than anything else as the supposed evidence for Easter and Ostara being the same holiday. I will say right off the bat that there is a lot of misinformation floating around out there. And because of the modern proliferation of certain ideas, it can be really hard to get past it. A standard Google search for the origins of Easter returns websites and articles that all talk about how Easter was derived directly from a pagan holiday, but most of them are just bare minimum texts that don't offer sources for their claims or get into anything deeper than window dressing on the topic. If you want good information, you really are going to have to hit the books on this one and do a little extra digging. Thankfully, for the purposes of this episode, I've done some of that for you. The fact of the matter is that Easter is an entirely Christian holiday, celebrating the death, resurrection, and ascension of their Messiah, the timing and liturgical story of which has much more to do with the Jewish holiday of Passover than the spring equinox, and which has picked up some pagan-looking trappings along the way. It has fuck all to do with Ostara in a religious sense, no matter how similar the names sound. I can already hear some people going, but, 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 no. Sit down, take notes, because I'm only going to say this once. First things first. The word Easter, or Austern, or something like it, is generally only found in Germanic-based languages, including English. And also German, of course. We'll get to why that is in a minute. In Spanish, the holiday is called Pascua. In Italian and Catalan, Pasqua. In French, Pax. In Greek, Pasha. In Portuguese, Pascua. I could go on, but suffice it to say that many European languages, several of which I've probably just mangled, my apologies, use some form of a word derived from the Latin Pascha, meaning of or having to do with Passover or Pesach. The two holidays are linguistically and temporally associated. This does not make them the same holiday by any means, but the association matters because it shows that right from the beginning, Christians associated Easter with Passover and not with some random pagan solstice holiday. You mean Ostara? No, and we'll get to it. As for the timing, let us turn back the clock to 325 CE and the First Council of Nicaea. Up until this point, Christians had relied entirely on the Jewish calendar to determine the date of Easter, since it's a floating holiday that they associated with the same timing as Passover, the idea being that the biblical Last Supper took place during Passover, it's a little bit nebulous. Part of the council's agenda was to designate a date for Easter, which was not dependent on the Jewish calendar, but still occurred around the same time of year. Subsequent councils eventually decided that Easter would take place on the first Sunday after the Paschal Moon, or the first full moon after the spring equinox. Please note that the word Paschal appears in liturgical observances right up to the present day. 
Does Easter occasionally occur near the equinox? Yes. Does it occur on the equinox? No. Does it share symbols and traditions with pre-Christian festivals because of conversion and syncretism? Yes. Is the timing based on a lunar cycle? Yes. Does this mean Easter is or was a pagan holiday? Absolutely not. Because of these early councils, the timing of Easter and Passover are connected in church liturgy. This is the reasoning they gave for why Easter occurs, where it does in the calendar, and why it's a floating holiday without a set date. There is some discrepancy between the Catholic and Eastern Orthodox dates for Easter, because one follows the Gregorian calendar for the dates of their holy days, and the other still uses the Julian version. But the fact remains that Easter's floating date was originally calculated from the date of Passover each year, and the name the church gives to that post-equinox full moon and to their liturgical services shows that it is still acknowledged today. Paschal Moon. Paschal Sunday, the time of year during which Passover occurs. Now, I want to be very clear just one more time here that Easter and Passover are not the same holiday by any means. I just want to be clear on that. But the connection between them does exist and it does matter that it exists. Whether it is correct for the Catholic Church to associate Easter with Passover in this way, according to Jewish religious canon and history, is a completely separate issue. I keep pointing all this out to people on social media, and I promise you I did not make up this association out of thin air. It exists in history and in language, and if you consider it inaccurate or inappropriate for the two of them to be associated in this way, Y'all really need to take it up with Rome instead of me. When modern pagans ignore this historical connection in favor of saying that Easter was straight up sourced from pagan traditions and pagan traditions only, that erasure of the Jewish connection with the holiday is disrespectful. That is tap dancing dangerously close to casual anti-Semitism, which is a big damn problem in the pagan and witchcraft community, and we ought to be fucking aware of it. You do not get to ignore recorded history or bury an entire culture just to feed your persecution complex. Just because Gerald Gardner tried to do it doesn't mean it's okay. Now as for Ostara. The Venerable Bede, writing in 725 CE, speculated that because the Germanic word for March was Hrethamoneth, referring to a pre-Christian goddess, likely called Hretha, that the word for April, Eostermoneth, must have also referred to a goddess, probably named Eostra. The word didn't necessarily have anything to do with a goddess. He just assumed that it did because Yoster was related to other words that meant dawn or east or referenced the rising of the sun. The word Easter in English comes from a German word that was absorbed into Old English as Eostre. E 
O-S-T-R-E. The root word of this could be the High German Ostan, meaning Eastern or in the direction of the sunrise, or the Proto-German Ostern from the root word Os, meaning to shine. The exact derivation isn't clear because we don't have a lot of language records from that far back. But this same root does also give us the word Ostara, which is a shortening of Ostarmonath, the high German word for the month of April. And yes, Ostara is spelled the same as Ostara. So the words Easter and Ostara do share a common root. That much is definitively true. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that Eoster or Eostra was the name of a goddess, and it still doesn't make them the same holiday. The thing is, with some of the older forms of certain languages, particularly English and German, there's a lot of debate as to where certain words come from, because we just don't have the records to point to to say, yes, this is where it came from, this is the direct etymology and the exact historical progression and development of this word. There's too much regional variation and not enough consistency. Read the story of how the Oxford English Dictionary was created sometime. It's, it's a roller coaster. We see this same ongoing debate with regard to the origins of the word witch, which both Trey and I have talked about before. So sometimes we only have a single source to work from, and no way of knowing if that source has a reliable narrator. Bede's work, The Reckoning of Time, is the only reference we have from antiquity to any deity or figure by the name of Eoster. We do not have prior sources for this supposition or evidence of the existence of a goddess called Eoster or Eostra or Ostara before his writings, only his theory. And we all know, given enough time, very old things are just taken at face value. So when Jacob Grimm quoted Bede in his own work, Deutsch Mythology, 19th century occultists just took it to be true and based their own subsequent musings upon that single source. You'll recall back in January of 2022, Trey Dorn discussed the origins of the modern perceptions of Lilith over on BS Free Witchcraft. If you haven't subscribed, please do. It's a wonderful show. And one of the things that they cited is this one single mistranslation of part of the Epic of Gilgamesh, which mistakenly identifies a certain Babylonian spirit as Lilith. And then this creates a domino effect where later scholars use this as a basis for misidentifying other depictions of Babylonian and Mesopotamian figures as Lilith, which are more likely Inanna or Ereshkigal, and so on. I talked about something similar happening with the French writings on tarot back in episode 19. The same thing happened with the Venerable Bede. This one guy made a speculation about the potential for there to be a pre-Christian goddess of spring 
whose name was given to the Germanic word for the month of April. That's where we get this idea of the goddess Eoster or Eostra. That's it. Before Bede, there is no mention of her anywhere. No evidence that she had any kind of associated cult or following or sacred sites or icons. Nothing. All this being said, whether or not Eoster existed as a goddess in antiquity, she certainly exists as a figure in witchcraft and pagan circles today as a goddess of spring or the embodiment of the Ostara holiday or what have you. So this is not to say that she doesn't exist. She certainly exists. Even though most of what we know about her comes directly from modern invention, if you choose to venerate her in your work, you have perfect freedom to do so. Just understand that the sources for information concerning her are a lot less ancient than some people might tell you. And if someone insists that Ostara is an ancient pagan holiday or Eoster is a proven ancient pagan goddess, they're probably not getting their information from good sources. We'll be back with more Hex Positive after this brief sponsored break. This episode is brought to you by Portland Buttonworks. Do you like buttons? Of course you do. Have you ever had a great idea for one, but just been like, darn it, if only I had the resources and equipment. Well, fret no more. Portland Buttonworks is just what you need. Portland Buttonworks creates custom pinback buttons in four different sizes, plus magnets, hand mirrors, and bottle openers. Download their templates and create your own designs, or use their Design-O-Matic for quick formatting. You can order just a few custom items for yourself or as gifts, or order in bulk for merch, table sales, or your own shop. And they are quick! The turnaround time for properly formatted submissions is one to three business days for most orders under 1,000 pieces. That is lightning fast! I've been getting buttons from Portland Buttonworks for years, and their quality is always top of the line. Ever wonder where the hex positive buttons came from? Well, now you know. And once you're done making your buttons, make sure you visit the PBW Witch Shop for a thoughtfully curated selection of witchcraft, magic, and occult-related zines. They've got books, buttons, tarot cards, and more. The collection has a refreshing emphasis on magic that relates to traditional and folkloric witchcraft, chaos magic, secular witchcraft, magical plants and herbs, queer witchcraft, politics and social justice witchcraft, and other non-Wiccan magic. There's a good chance they have exactly what you're looking for. Visit the main Buttonworks at portlandbuttonworks.com and check out the Witch Shop and Zine Distro at pbwwitchshop.com. Help support small business and get your buttons from Portland Buttonworks. Fighting fascism one button at a time since 2012. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast and would like to help support the show, make sure you visit the Willow Wings Witch Shop. There you can pick up copies of Grove Daughter Witchery, The Sisters Grimoire, and Pestlework, or shop for specialty items you won't find anywhere else, like witch web kits, vials of my homemade banishing powder, and podcast merch. Use code HEXPOSITIVE to get a special surprise with your order. Visit brinagarin.wordpress.com shop and place your order today.
And now, back to the show. So, back to the 19th century. Jacob Grimm cites Bede in his own work. Both of them are very well regarded. And this leads to 19th century occult scholars taking the older source as gospel and just sort of running with it. It's also worth noting that this is when we begin to see the association between a goddess figure called Eoster or Ostara and sacred symbols of rabbits and eggs. Now, it had been established for centuries that rabbits were associated with springtime and fertility, going all the way back to Aphrodite having rabbits as one of her sacred animals and probably well before that. The first person to draw the connection between rabbits and Eoster was Adolf Holtzmann in his own version of Deutsch mythology, where he wrote, quote, The Easter hare is inexplicable to me, but probably the hare was the sacred animal of Ostara. Basically, he was saying, well, other places in Europe associate rabbits and hares with spring festivals. So this supposed Germanic goddess probably had them as her sacred symbols, too. And also eggs, because some German folklore says that hares lay eggs. Don't ask. It's a whole thing where hares and rabbits are supposed to be able to reproduce asexually, and therefore they lay eggs. It, it's, it's a whole thing. From this was created a popular modern legend, first appearing in the June 1889 issue of American Notes and Queries, which claimed that German children are given stuffed bunnies as Easter gifts and told that the bunny has laid the eggs for their breakfast, and that this was done because of a folktale telling of a Germanic goddess of spring turning a wounded bird into a rabbit, whereupon the rabbit laid colored eggs for her festival. Thing is, this tradition of rabbits and eggs being associated with Easter already existed when the story was written, and there is no source for the legend before this mention in 1889. Other popular sources of the day picked up the story and claimed it as being one of the oldest in recorded history, despite the evidence for its creation being right there within the same damn century. It's modernity creating an explanation for something that already exists, and giving it the veneer of antiquity to make it seem special. Something that is annoyingly familiar to those of us who have had to combat historical misinformation in the modern witchcraft and pagan communities today. These days, we have Wicca to thank for the presence of Ostara on our calendars. And it wasn't even originally part of the Wheel of the Year, fun fact. After deciding in 1958 that they wanted to celebrate the solstices and equinoxes as well as the quarter days, Gerald Gardner's coven just marked the vernal equinox as spring solstice and called it a day. Unfortunately, they were working from the now-debunked claims of Edward Williams, who claimed that Druids celebrated festivals on the solstices and equinoxes based on his belief that the Druids had built Stonehenge and therefore marked these occasions as sacred. This was really more speculation than anything else, and we don't have any evidence for it in the historical record. It's pretty well known that the Druids didn't build Stonehenge, 
and that we basically know fuck all about what the ancient druids actually did because they didn't write anything down. The written records that we do have concerning the druids and their practices, and indeed most Celtic peoples, come from the accounts taken down by the Romans, who were probably more inclined to paint all these people as savage heathens rather than, you know, reporting things accurately for the historical record. For further reading on this topic, I highly recommend Professor Ronald Hutton's article, Modern Pagan Festivals. Moving forward a few years, we come to the infamous Aidan Kelly. In 1974, he took it upon himself to create a new version of the Wheel of the Year with new historical names for several holidays. These being Ostara, Litha, and Mabon. He took his information, largely, from Bede's writings, as well as the later German folklorists who discussed the topic, and as I've said, named the Spring Equinox Festival Ostara. And even Kelly, in his article where he talks about his sources and his thought process, notes that Easter, in most of the rest of the languages that refer to it, is called some form of a word related to Pesach, Passover, as I mentioned before. And I quote, the Venerable Bede says that the spring equinox was sacred to a Saxon goddess, Ostara, or Eostra, from whom we get the name Easter, which, almost everywhere else, is called something like Pash, derived, of course, from Pesach. That's where the Ostara-Easter conflation begins. Not with some ancient pagan holiday, but with a bunch of 19th century speculation, which leads to one guy in the 1970s renaming a solstice holiday after an old high German word that coincidentally also became Easter, who is citing another guy from the 8th century who may or may not have been giving factual information. And that holiday then entered the modern witchcraft canon and subsequently generated its own lore. And here we are. It's the same domino effect as the Lilith debacle. It's one man's speculation that was repeated often enough and cited by enough people that it became accepted as fact. Even though it's unsupported, and we have no way of knowing if Bede was interpreting those older words correctly. It's the same thing that happened with the Eoster and the Bunny story, Modern speculation about older symbols gains a mythology of its own and grows into its own sort of entity, and then people just conveniently forget where and when it came from. So Kelly's new wheel was adopted by the Wiccans, and their broad influence spread it to the rest of the neo-pagan community, and everyone just took it as gospel, because there was no opposing viewpoint. It's thanks to modern paganism's penchant for conflating most of ancient European paganism and not always doing their homework that we now get this idea of Ostara as an ancient spring celebration of this goddess Eoster, who, as you'll recall, might not have even existed in antiquity. And, of course, because modern witches love to pick a fight and feed their persecution complexes, 
This shared linguistic origin between the words Ostara and Easter and the shared traditions that were attributed to Eoster in the 1800s were extrapolated into the idea that Easter and Ostara used to be the exact same holiday and that Christians must have stolen it. Now, was there a pre-Christian spring festival that took place in the month we now call April? It's certainly possible. Was there a Germanic spring festival that took place around the equinox? That is also certainly possible. Could it have been called Ostern or Ostara due to dawn-related observances? Sure it could. Do we have actual evidence for this that isn't tied to Bede's writings or Edward Williams's debunked suppositions about the ancient Druids? No. No, not really. And was this possible celebration of the spring solstice the same as the Ostara that Wiccans observe today? Not a fucking chance. The fact that something existed in one form in antiquity that now exists in a similar form in the modern day does not make them the same thing. It's important to remember that modern witchcraft and modern paganism are almost entirely reconstructionist traditions. We're not descended in an unbroken line from some ancient way of life that has survived unchanged into the present. We're recreating older traditions based on what we think might have happened back then, and blending that with our own beliefs and traditions from the modern day. And let's address this stolen holiday idea. Yes, pagan peoples were converted, and their traditions were sometimes preserved and adapted to fit new ideas in order to facilitate the transition. That is recorded history. This does not mean that pagan holidays were just straight up adopted into the Christian calendar as they were. And honestly, I don't think modern witches have much room to talk on this topic to begin with, given how much the modern witchcraft, pagan, and New Age movements have um, unapologetically stolen from other cultures and oppressed communities. Glass houses. Just saying. What we're seeing here is not theft. It's syncretism. Syncretism occurs when two or more cultures exist in the same place for a long enough period of time that their traditions begin to blend together. This has been happening forever. It is not unique to Christianity or even to Europe. Pagan cultures syncretized and shared and changed over time as well. We can see this blending all over the world throughout recorded history. Every major religion carries some trace of the major religions that preceded it, and also picks up traditions and customs from whatever other culture it may have conquered, absorbed, or just had significant contact with along the way. Now, the fact that Ostara as we know it today is not an ancient holiday does not make it any less valid or worthy of observance. 
as I said, if you want to honor a goddess called Eoster as part of that, or as an aspect of the Wiccan goddess, or as a patron deity of spring, go for it. The Wheel of the Year and the Wiccan calendar are perfectly valid annual cycles, which many thousands of people enjoy observing every year. The fact that some of these holidays and traditions are shared with other cultures, or more modern than you might expect, does not diminish them. There are festivals timed to the spring equinox that happen all over the world. Some of these actually have a lot more in common with the modern holiday of Ostara than Easter Sunday does, in that they celebrate the coming of spring and the beginning of the planting cycle and fertility rites, or, you know, actually occur on or around the equinox. But we don't talk about any of them stealing the idea, because we understand that they were living in the same world, in the same places, or at least places similar enough to have the same kind of annual cycle. You can't steal a holiday. Not in the way that modern witches and pagans seem to view the idea. You can ban it, you can suppress it, you can wipe it from the record, but you can't steal it unless you wholesale ban the original culture from observing the occasion and then incorporate it into your own beliefs as a curio devoid of its original meaning, which is not what's happening with Easter and Ostara and the Spring Equinox festivals. What's happening here is the same thing that's always happened as human belief has changed and evolved. Newer belief systems retain some of the trappings of older systems and also pick up elements from their neighbors as they go. And this is just as true of Wicca and modern witchcraft traditions as it is of Christianity. Nothing exists in a vacuum. Did conversion happen at the point of a sword? Yes, sometimes it did. Were Christian churches and symbols copy-pasted over older pre-Christian sites and signs? Absolutely. But what we have to understand is that this happened because it's what evolving cultures and religions have always done. Like I said, this is not unique to Christianity or even to the Romans who spread it across Europe. But because that's the example that shaped the modern Western world as we know it, and to be fair, because it eventually played into a shitload of really awful imperialism, that's what modern witches point to. But see, the fact that Christianity and imperialism are linked, and the fact that the church has an admittedly problematic history, doesn't mean we have free reign to make all of Christendom the enemy every time we need a boogeyman to throw ourselves against. I used to see this bumper sticker all the time. No war has ever been fought in the name of Wicca. Yeah, no shit. Wicca's barely existed long enough to have a proper schism, let alone a crusade. It hasn't been around long enough or developed enough political clout to start anything bigger than a fistfight at a block party. If Wicca had been around as long as Christianity and had been adopted as the state religion of a militant culture the way Christianity was, you bet your ass there would have been wars in the name of Wicca. 
If you think pagan societies didn't go around killing and conquering their neighbors well before Rome or Christianity came into the picture, you need to go crack some books. We don't get to claim that we're taking shit back on behalf of witches of old because the witch trials weren't about actual witches and we are not survivors of a secret witch cult or scions of an unbroken line. We are Reconstructionists. Modern witchcraft and modern paganism, as I said, are reconstruction movements. We are recreating things that no longer exist in their original form and haven't for some time. And because of that, we don't get to claim that centuries-old struggle as our own. Because literally having your country taken over by the Romans is not the same as being forced to go to church services or having your parents tell you you can't practice witchcraft in their house. Does bad shit still happen to people because of belief in witchcraft? Of course it does. But much more often, just like back in antiquity, it's people who are falsely accused of witchcraft who are suffering the most, and not actual witches. I promise you, for 99% of my listeners, especially if you're white and American, any witchcraft or paganism-related prejudice you may have encountered at home or in your community, pales in comparison to what's happening to accused witches in Brazil, India, Papua New Guinea, and a number of countries in sub-Saharan Africa. Trust me, look it up. Read about what's happening as we speak right now, and then tell me you're oppressed for wearing a pentacle and collecting crystals. Anyway, tangent. That's not what's happening here. Ostara hasn't been stolen. It hasn't existed long enough to be stolen. And it certainly doesn't have a monopoly on spring equinox celebrations. Now, if you want to complain about how American cultural Christianity has made certain symbols and holidays quote-unquote secularized so that we all have to kind of observe Christian holidays whether we like it or not, that's a separate issue. And a very valid one, actually. It is kind of annoying. Legally speaking, in America today, no one is stopping you from observing, learning about, or celebrating Ostara, or any other pagan holiday you might want to observe, for that matter. If there were, there wouldn't be public pagan gatherings every single year for the various festivals, it would still be something that we would have to do privately and surreptitiously in our own homes, or way out in the wilderness like Gerald and his buddies who didn't like pants. I do want to wrap things up on kind of a lighter and maybe a less angry note with a fun little tidbit I discovered while doing my research. In Sweden, they have something called an Easter hag. Part of their Easter celebration involves children dressing in traditional costumes and going door to door for treats on the Thursday before Easter in sort of a, a springtime Halloween festival. I believe something similar also happens in Finland. And yes, this tradition is an actual direct connection between Easter and witches. However, <laughs> It's not about any pre-Christian pagan tradition or hidden goddess cult. It's a remembrance of 
a series of Swedish witch trials from the late 1600s collectively referred to as the Great Noise. During these trials, a story arose that a group of witches had kidnapped local children and flown on brooms from their home villages to a fictional island called Blokula, where the devil apparently has a vacation home, and all manner of horrible, blasphemous things happened. And this was supposed to have happened during Easter week, with the witches departing on Maundy Thursday and returning on Easter Sunday. More than 200 people were tortured and killed over these accusations, and it became such a problem that the Swedish government eventually stepped in and ordered church leaders across the country to tell their congregations that the kingdom was now safe because they had caught all the witches and witches had subsequently been banned, and thus there would be no more witches in Sweden ever again. We got them. We're good. We can stop. Humans deal with historical trauma in a lot of different ways. Sometimes we raise memorials, sometimes we have solemn ceremonies, and sometimes we dress up in funny costumes and run through the streets begging for candy. Takes all kinds. So, in conclusion, the only thing Ostara and Easter have fundamentally in common is the source of their names. Everything else is either historically unsubstantiated, came about through syncretism, or was tacked on later. Ostara is Ostara. It is a modern holiday that seeks to recall pre-Christian spring equinox celebrations and consists of modern ideas about what those celebrations might have looked like. Easter is Easter. It's an old holiday that is timed according to an even older Jewish holiday and celebrates a foundational event in Christian mythology. This is all a matter of historical record. They are two separate and distinct holidays with a slim bit of overlap consisting of shared festivities and symbols, which are also shared with other springtime festivals and religious holidays. Just because holidays are similar does not mean they are or were the same, or that one was stolen or copied from the other. And we really need to stop claiming that this is the case. Because to do so is to ignore the importance of Jewish contributions to world history and religious development, and to ignore our own more recent history as modern witches and pagans. We have access to an entire universe of historical research. We are capable of critical thought and discernment and self-education, and we need to do better. Do your homework. So, that's the Easter rant. It's been a long time coming. Literally. Like, I've had this simmering on a back burner since I started the podcast, and I promised myself I wouldn't do it until at least my second year out. Well, here we are in year two. And seeing as my original post was already making the seasonal rounds on Tumblr back in March, it just felt like it was time. 
I'm going to put as many of my sources as I possibly can into the show notes, which you can find on my WordPress. And I want to very quickly give a big, big thank you to Will O. The Witch on Tumblr, who was kind enough to give my material a once over before my recording day, just to make sure my Gentile ass was acting right and actually correcting me on a few important points. So thanks very much to you, darling. I appreciate you taking the time. Now I get to finish mucking out my inbox to get rid of all the hate mail from internet jackasses who can't be arsed to fact check their memes. I'm honestly kind of immune to it at this point, but the annual onslaught of ignorance does make me so very, very sad. For them. If you did enjoy the episode, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts to help offset all the one-star reviews I'm probably about to get for poking holes in things. Recommend the show to anyone and everyone who enjoys witchcraft or history or any combination of the two. If you've enjoyed my ranting, you'll probably enjoy my books, which you can find in the Willow Wings Witch Shop as well as on Amazon. I'll be linking that along with those delicious, delicious sources in the show notes. Make sure you show some love to the other wonderful, fabulous people on the Nerd and Tie podcast network, including my sibling show, BS Free Witchcraft, hosted by the absolutely lovely Trey Dorn, who is just as allergic to bullshit and misinformation as I am, and twice as grumpy about it. You can also join us on our Discord, which has been pretty much taken over by witches at this point, by going to nerdandtie.com discord for your invite. You will be very, very welcome. Until next time, I'm your host, Brina Garen, and I thank you for sticking with me. Enjoy the sources, enjoy the weather, enjoy your holidays, whatever they might be, and however you choose to celebrate them. Now everybody get the hell off my lawn. Hex Positive is a proud member of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. Check out everything they have to offer, including our sibling podcast, BS Free Witchcraft, over at nerdandtie.com. Intro and outro music by Kevin McLeod. For all the latest updates, follow at hex underscore podcast on Twitter. You can also follow me at at Brina Garen on Twitter and Instagram. For more information on my books, you can check out my WordPress and my Amazon author page. And if you'd like to support the show, please visit patreon.com slash Garen. Stay safe, wash your hands, and remember, always practice safe hex. Hex positive.